Welcome to the Dirt to Dollars podcast. Hosted by Central Kentucky Extension agents, Whitney Carmen, Daniel Carpenter, and Matt Adams. Where we talk everything from the dirt on your land to the dollars in your hand. All right, welcome back everybody to another episode of Dirt to Dollars. It's been, been a couple of weeks. Buenos, buenos dias. Buenos dias. I like I like the the flair the uh, southern flair Hispanic flair right, today right. yeah because um, you've been where I've got a little bit of a suntan if you can't know <laughs> yeah I, I did um, Whitney are you there yeah I'm here oh, good deal so I, I noticed Matt Matt has some some really white legs <laughs> not anymore well, though I don't know I did I saw a few pictures <laughs> where you were wearing shorts and. Um, yeah, you need to work on that tan, buddy. Yeah. Well, first time I'll, they've seen the sun since like July. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I bet you were probably in good company though, considering you were down there with a bunch of like uh likened individuals. So you were yeah. probably in, you know, in the majority there. I don't know. My legs are pretty bronzed, so I, I mean, I'm glad I wasn't down there sitting right next to you. I would have I would have showed I would have really made them look white. Right. But you know, some people have to stay around and take care of things. Um, yeah. here, in, the shit here in the world. here in the real real world, but um, here in a little while we'll have uh, Mark Thomas join us, who was uh, there uh, as well, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, that uh, national or the meeting, American national Farm American Euro meeting, and federation uh, and the contests and stuff that were going on down there. So we'll talk to him in a little while. Uh, but we haven't been here for a few weeks. Um, I found out we have a lot of people that listen. Yeah, when you miss a week, they uh, you hear from them. You do, and uh, so I apologize. We had to replay an episode, and for the people that called to let me know that the dates were wrong and that um, you know I, I had messed up, well, I apologize. I just can't do everything. I <laughs> uh, just had to play another episode again. So stick with us this week. Our dates will be right. What are we going to talk about this week? We kind of were, uh, you know, we were we were busy last week. Uh, several of us out of town um, and on trips. Really, this time of year, we're getting back into meetings and stuff, and just kind of our list of things to talk about wasn't very long. The list no, was long. The time to talk about them was short. Uh huh. Yeah. So I'll I just start it. in on. Uh, we had a economic subject matter training uh, yesterday, which Matt didn't go to, but me and Whitney were there. I, that and gets and back yeah, Matt, to the Matt, uh, man Matt, in the fourth. You were thing. not there. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was a pretty good meeting, though. Yeah, it was a good meeting. I mean, it was very similar to those that we've had in the past. It was just a lot of stuff updated. We had we got to meet a new uh, extension employee. Is it Dr. Grant Gardner? Probably. Is. Um, mm-hmm. Who is uh, going to be a new kind of grain market outlook person uh, there at the through extension in the economics department. Seemed like he had a lot of farm experience. And I think his thesis was on uh, variable seeding and variable nitrogen rates. So... Mm-hmm. I think he's had got a pretty good uh, agricultural background. Come from Southern Indiana, and uh, had got his master's in Nebraska. And he's kind of he's been around a few different areas in, in ag, and could be a good resource uh, for us down the road. We may try to. Uh, Whitney talked about trying to get him on sometime soon, so we may we may get him to join us as he gets his as he starts to figure out what it is he's really going to be doing. I think he's <laughs> just started, but uh, we'll look to get yeah. him on soon. I, at the grain economics was, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of producers really wanted that specialist has that, that position has been open for several years, I think. And so, or 
off and on for several years. Right. But But it's been empty for longer than that. Yes. So the thing that caught my attention the most and, and we'll definitely have, I think we'll get him on to talk about this as we get closer um, and start to realize more, but um, Dr. Snell talked a lot about the farm bill and where what's going on with it right now. And a lot of our listeners um, may or may not be real familiar with the farm bill. Farm bill is a huge bill, <laughs> but as many of us know, uh, what is it like 75 to 80% of it is nutrition programs. So like SNAP programs and food benefits and things like that. A uh, very small part of it's actual ag, you know, farming, uh, but, well, but you could argue the nutrition programs are part of agriculture. You can, That's they are, but I mean the real, and it was, and he shared this too. I mean, the real reason that it's there is to get votes. Cause you know, a right. lot of those, uh, programs are from areas that don't have a lot of ag and benefit them. And it's just a way to, to get some things in agriculture paid for. Mm-hmm. So the current farm bill, uh, expires September 30th of 2023 and uh according to dr snail where they're where they're at right now uh in making that happen is way behind where they've been in years past when this has occurred uh some years they'll push it off a year or they'll you know they'll they'll stretch it out i think what is it, every five years five years we get a farm bill yeah. and sometimes it's been six but typically every five years so also several things were mentioned about how it's taken them a long time to get things accomplished um, in Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, the Speaker of the House debacle and the things that were going on with that and how long that took. So I don't think the hopes are very high that we're going to have a farm bill passed uh, by by September 30th. So that's something maybe to, you know, if if, uh, if that interests you to sort of read along and follow uh, what's going on. Uh, the one good thing is that they had um, – the U.S. Senate chairwoman, who's uh, Debbie Stabenow, I believe is her name, That's announced right. that she's retiring this year, and um, she's determined to get it through before she hangs it up. So uh, she seems like I think she's a go-getter and somebody who really brings both sides together to get things done. So hopefully that'll that'll happen and she can get it done before she before she exits. Yeah, I think Dr. Snell said she's from Michigan, and so she brings some production agriculture, but also some of that varied agriculture. And she works really well with the other parties and works well with the people in her committee. So he's hopeful that they get that done before she retires. I thought something that was really interesting too, was the fact that the last farm bill, you know, we talked about the nutrition side of it and the percentage of nutrition funding went down but that it's expected to go or like it was down to like 78% or something, but I think it's expected to go up over 80 again, because I just thought it was interesting what they're projecting based on our economics right now. It really seems to follow that because, you know, when the yeah, last farm bill was created, it was lower. Think about how much food costs went up. I mean, yeah, it's just, that's absolutely. just going to cost more. I mean, mm-hmm. just in the last year. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, she- uh, they also talked about, uh, Net farm income, uh, 2022 estimates were like $160 billion. You look back in 2019 and it was $80 billion. Yeah. So going into this bill, there's going to be a lot of strong uh, perceptions of a, of a strong ag economy. and uh, But in reality, we have shrinking margins. We have more volatility, more risk. 
um, a lot more uncertainty um, in you know various ways. So uh, I'm going to be a big, a big, big deal this year that you know many people may not be aware of, uh, but it is it is going to be a, a big thing. Uh, also, since we're talking, can, you know, this is the one time we can talk politics, right? On yeah. <laughs> on our show. Yeah. The thank you. They said when it comes to this farm bill stuff, the Senate needs 60 votes and the House needs 218 mm-hmm. votes. Yeah. We've got 81 new members and 260 members out of 535 were not part of the 20 uh, to the 2018 uh, farm bill debate. So there's gonna be a lot of people that just are, are new not to familiar it. with this yeah. and are new to it. Yes, thanks. That they're, they're of um so they're gonna be, you know, still it's another issue, right? It's just another layer of things that are going to be a challenge uh to get all this through. So so what are some important things that they're going to be working on or that they work on with every farm bill? Crop insurance, I know was a big crop insurance is the big thing because they're gonna have to look at those mm-hmm. um uh PLC and ARC numbers and possibly you know, recalculate those, reevaluate, evaluate those to make them more important to the times that we're facing and the and the dollars that we're talking about. I think that's probably the number one thing. I think uh, <laughs> Dr. Snell's had on there. What's the most? What are the top three most important topics of the farm bill? And it was crop insurance, crop insurance, and crop insurance. Yep. <laughs> so uh, that that's going to be the big thing. One of the things that I thought was interesting. So there was a quote from. Uh, uh, Vilsack, who's the Department of Ag Secretary of Agriculture, Secretary of Agriculture, heard him speak last Secretary week. Secretary of Ag, was he there? Yeah, he was. Oh, cool. In the flesh, but he made a good point that these are these are not to focus on uh, programs as much as to focus on problems. And and crop insurance, I think, is going to be one of the bigger uh, problems. But there was a there was a, a fact stated that over fifty percent of farms did not make a profit. You buy that? Well, yeah. You got to look at what the classification of farm is. And they're probably going off of uh, Schedule F's submitted to the IRS. Mm -hmm. And isn't that most farmers' goals when they go to do taxes to not make a profit? Exactly. It is. And so, uh, you know, that's just something that's going on. there and I thought that was interesting to share. And, and I'm sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot. Just we didn't have much to talk about, so I'm just kind of going with it. No, uh, I mean that's Kentucky, good information. Kentucky Farm uh, Business Management Program was uh, was going on, and uh, Tara Harden was there. She's been on our show before. She had a lot of things to share about what they are seeing uh, across the state, or especially in her uh, Central Kentucky region. What are some of the things they're saying? So I think the big part of it was helping farmers develop exit strategies um, with the way uh, the markets are looking. And, you know, it may be a good time for people to get out um, for tax purposes or to start thinking about getting out. And I believe that's what we'll have her on to talk about, because I think there's going to be some work on some programs to help educate farmers on how to start that process. Um, it's not the same as farm succession planning, uh, which is a little different, but talking about, you know, how do we transition out and how do we phase out to limit our tax burdens um, and to, uh, um, you know, hedge risks with that. 
So that that I think that's a, a big topic right now and and one that I think we'll be having some more programs to focus on. One thing that I hadn't heard <laughs> was being a thing of um and this this didn't necessarily come straight from her, but just kind of came up in conversations while she was talking. Um, but it seems like some of these distilleries are purchasing farm ground now um that are in the uh near vicinity. I'm supposed I guess and to raise their own grain possibly or and it may just be for to build buildings on um because they, they do take a lot of real estate when they need to put up buildings and as you all know they're going up like crazy so could be an interesting dynamic to keep an eye on too is you know one of our biggest customers uh and you know on the grain side of things in the state might start to become a competitor you know as far as somebody else who's who's raising grain crops and they've got deep pockets so could be an interesting thing to to track and see how that how that continues to develop now, Dr. Kenny Bardine talked a little, a little bit about uh, direct consumer, uh, you know, freezer beef programs. So I think that those are some things that they're working on. And he threw us, you know, kind of gave us some scenarios of different uh, ways that people are going about doing it and what might work and what may not work. And so, you know, that's something that he's working on and in their department. And as we all know, that's a very popular thing or it has been in the last year or so. And so he's got some good information on that for, for agents to utilize. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll have him on again soon. And we'll talk about that too. Cause there's a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of things that we can hit on through the, through this format that I think would be helpful to both uh, the farmer and the actually consumer. Cause there's a lot of good stuff for uh, to help educate the consumer on how that process works too. Um, understand what they're paying for and what they're getting a lot of that. So good stuff. All right. Well, without further ado, we'll go on and we'll have Mark come join us and we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk to him for a little bit. It's not every day we get to have some world travelers on the show. Hey, I'm on here every day. Well, you, that is true. You are now a world traveler, but we also have another world traveler uh, along for the ride with Mr. Mark Thomas. Mark, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing good. So Wanted to talk about, I'm going to try to say it in my native tongue, Puerto Rico. No, that's not that's, how they say it over there. How do they say no. it? I'm not even going to try, but you didn't sound like it. Did they word. roll the R? Is it like they Puerto, Rico? Yeah, Puerto Rico? Yeah, in both Puerto words. Puerto Rico. That, that's more, that, that was, was actually pretty, pretty spot on. That was that's good. pretty good. That was close. Yeah. You, you can almost it. go there with that uh, with that tone. Uh, do they speak? Uh, well, why, why were you all down there? I guess um, we'll say that first and then I'll ask a question. So I was down there. Uh, Wesley and I were competing in the American Farm Bureau uh, Achievement Award through the Young Farmer and Ranchers Award. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, Matt, I, why were you there? I just went to <laughs> hang out on the beach and drink uh, pina coladas. And... <laughs> okay. Hey, we went to the home of the pina colada, actually. We did. Hey, there's that's going to be our song this week. <laughs> Does Kale have that one? Uh, well, I'll, well, I'll email it to you. We'll make it work. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, you had, you participated in the, the competition and. We did. There was, uh, there was 27 participants in it, uh, 27 different States, uh, all over from, uh, California, all the way up to New York, um, uh, Wisconsin down to, to Florida. Uh, Texas, Mississippi, Alabama. Uh, the couple from Alabama were actually the winners. Um, they they've got a pretty pretty good sized farm, a feed mill, and a and a trucking company down there in Alabama. So 
they're they're doing pretty well, uh, pretty widespread for uh, you know a couple in their mid thirties. Um, cool. But on that uh, on Saturday of the of the convention, we got to to meet with all of the other participants and and basically spend all day just getting to know them and and their operations and what they do, what makes them stand out, um, as well as a, a panel from three different farmers from around the country. You going to tell them about and the text that you the text that you sent me after you, everybody introduced themselves? I did in that uh, in that meeting. Everybody got up and, and told who they were, where they were from, about their operation. And uh, after they were done, I texted Matt and I said, "I don't stand a chance of, of winning this thing." And and uh, I didn't. I was right. But uh, you know, we're still very blessed to to have had the opportunity to go down there and compete. And uh, you know, when you get to that point, it truly was the the best of the best and and you know we we're still wesley and i are still very proud to to be a part of of that number of, of 27 for the modern year 23 competitions and you still did pretty well winning the kentucky contest you got a oh absolutely list of absolutely you know a, a good list of prizes and and uh you know very thankful for those sponsors um but uh it's it's a big deal you know it's uh like I said, a, a really tough competition, you know, even in, even in the state, you know, it's a big accomplishment to, to get that far. There's, there's a lot of people that, that have, you know, only one can win every year and there's, there's a lot of participation every year. Well, you're, you're number one in our hearts, Mark. So you're saying I'm the best full-time farmer that's on this podcast right now. You are. Yeah. <laughs> For now. <laughs> For now. <laughs> Um, so tell, I know we're an agricultural show, so tell me, uh, tell me about agriculture in Puerto Rico. What was, what were some things you all noticed or did you tour any farms or anything like that? I'm waiting to listen to Mark talk about all the farms he toured while he was in Puerto Rico. Hey, I toured 27 different farms and never left the hotel. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. All over the country. Um, and actually we had a discussion panel that morning with three different farmers, a, a dairy farmer from Puerto Rico, a uh, sweet corn vegetable crop farmer from Utah and a grain crop farmer from North Carolina. Um, and, and the one that stuck out to me the most was the, the young man from Puerto Rico. And there's like 250 some dairies in Puerto Rico, which was a astronomical number to me and growing all the time because he was part of a family dairy. And actually getting ready to, in 23, was starting his own dairy. So the dairy numbers are actually, number of dairies are growing. So, so how many did you say there were in Puerto Rico? 250 or 260 something. Daniel, pop quiz time. Do you know how many dairies are in the state of Kentucky? It depends who you trust on the internet. And well, you I really shouldn't you. trust anybody on the so internet. So whatever you say is so what I'm going I've, to. I've seen anywhere from 450 to 630 as the number of dairies in Kentucky. And I'm pretty sure the 450 number is probably the, Let's the just accurate call it one. Um, I'm going to call it 450 because I okay. bet even from, from the time those numbers were released as, you know, as quick as dairies are dropping, it's probably less than that. If I had to guess, I mean, just think about how many are still active, you know, that we know about and we're just, you right. know, we represent a pretty big chunk of ground. Um, so uh, yeah. Uh, 450 dairies in Kentucky. So how big how big is Kentucky compared to Puerto Rico? Uh, almost ten times as big. 
yeah. 3,512 square miles in uh, Puerto Rico. And would we decide 39,000 in Kentucky? Yeah. So it's like 10, 11 times uh, yeah. larger than Puerto Rico. So you want to break down the per capita of, uh, of dairies. You've got basically one dairy per every 86 square miles of Kentucky and one dairy per every 13 square miles in Puerto Rico. So they've got, they're about six and a half times heavier uh, per capita on, on dairy farms, which if you go back, if, let's say if you go back 30 years, would you say we're probably, we were probably pretty close to that or maybe even back further than that. We may have been close to that when there was like seven dairies on every road. Uh, yeah. I would say in the mid nineties, we, we would have been that close to that in Hardin County because you go out St. John road and there was a dairy, you, you go out the road five miles and you probably passed eight dairies. Mm -hmm. And I even think at one time, um, as far as uh, dairies in LaRue County, I believe, and because LaRue County is a small county, but like per capita, I think we were one of the heaviest uh, dairy counties in the state as far as dairies per, per you know, that we had in the county and, and how, how thick they were. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. So like, did the, did the, food that they serve in Puerto Rico resemble that at all? I don't think you could get a plate without cheese on it in Puerto Rico. Yeah. I'm all about some cheese these days. <laughs> I like a good cheese. Yeah. And with all the tourism as well, um, you know, every meal had some type of dairy involved in it, uh, especially if you were authentic Puerto Rican, you know, meal wise, but all of the, you know, people put it in their coffees at the resorts and milk for breakfast at the resorts and cereal and everything. It's just, just a lot of dairy products consumed. Ice cream with churros. Yeah. What yes, is Puerto ice cream. Rican, ice cream what's Puerto Rican food like? Is it like, is it kind of like Mexican food? Not, it, it's a little bit of a letdown. I was not overly impressed. It was a little more Americanized, food, really. I guess. No, not really. It just didn't have a lot of flavor. If you got the true Puerto Rican food, some of it. I don't know. What was the thing that was in the fried plantain bowl? Oh, bowl, it was... Start uh, with M. Yes, I don't remember what it was called. But it, a lot of seafood, a lot of baked or, or grilled uh, fish. Some steak. Uh, Matt and I had a steak one night. Just didn't have a lot of flavor. They just—they're they not into. Was there? Is there a lot of cattle there, or are they importing a lot of their beef? So I saw. We went to the. We didn't finish our farm tour stories. You, you oh well, hey, go for it. So we went Tuesday. I guess it was. Yeah. To uh, a seed genetics research farm on the southern coast we were in the in the northern coast on at san juan and uh, so we crossed a pretty big cross section of puerto rico went through the mountains went through a lot of the ag country and once we got close to that southern coast i think i saw two herds of cows one of them had a lot of brahma influence the other looked like a bunch of charlays uh and just running on rough looking grass most of their brahma influence on their cattle though would be because of their climate yeah because of their their lack of, of water and heat and heat tolerance yeah 
So I'm pretty sure that the steak that Mark and I had as the home of the pina colada was out of an old coal cow that had been grazing that tropical grass for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. And while they were on their farm tour on Friday yeah, or on Tuesday, we were on our way home. We got home on time. They the yeah, next day they had their flight troubles getting home. All right. <laughs> I will say the best authentic Puerto Rican food that we had, I guess. We uh when we were on that farm tour, we went to a little they called it seaside cafe or something. It was just a little hole in the wall. Uh, Fred L. Sipes that has been on this show before, he compared it to Otter Creek Tavern. So, if any of our listeners out there are familiar with Otter Creek Tavern, that's they have a did they have a good fish sandwich? Hey, you walked in and it looked a little rough, but then when the food got there, it was delicious. But yeah, I had some kind of they called them skirt steak tacos. And, I like a good skirt steak. Well, so I was expecting like you go to the Mexican restaurant and get like the fajita steak and a taco. They brought it out, and it looked like pot roast, and it tasted like pot roast. Like, it must have been in a crock pot or something. I'm sure they don't use crock pots down there. It's probably in a old vat or something that they wash once every 10 years, but uh, but it was delicious. Had, like, peppers mixed in with it, and they pulled it apart. It was good. My wife and I, we frequent a uh, uh, Cuban restaurant in Louisville, and, and I like uh, – they have a skirt steak, and I, I – I like a good skirt steak. So then we ate at a, I guess you'd call it Mexican. It was Puerto Rican owned and it was like an independent restaurant right next to the hotel. The first night we got there and then the night before we left, Molly and I did. And uh, it was some of the best Mexican food I've ever had in my life. Hmm. Like hand, they hand pressed corn tortillas, like ripe, but like they were warm and soft when they brought them out. Delicious. So I have a somewhat of, I guess, a cultural question, and I don't know, um, you know, I, I've been to some countries before, and I know it's, you know, probably not the same situation, but like into Jamaica or Mexico, and you get outside of the main cities, and it's pretty poverty stricken. And I guess sometimes even in the in the cities, it's there's a lot of poverty. But did you notice that a lot in Puerto Rico, or or do people seem does it, does it seem like you're in a, America uh, when you're there? The houses were kind of rough and stacked on top of each other, but you might have like a, I don't know, they're almost like apartment buildings or like houses, like duplexes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And what you'd think of in like Mexico or something, it was an old building and it might be like three stories tall, but then it might have a brand new Mercedes parked in front of it. So I didn't see uh I didn't see a single homeless person the whole time we were down there. Right. Which which struck me as odd. Uh usually you see that when you're in some type of a, a larger city. Um so I don't know if they're just not there or they run them out of town for the Farm Bureau Convention or or what, but uh I felt very safe. I've been in other countries and you know, not felt safe when I wasn't on a resort or, or something like that. But I, I didn't feel any more unsafe than I would have walking in downtown E-Town. Lots of uh, smoking certain substance, substances <laughs> for medicinal purposes in the streets. It must be legal. Uh, I think the medical deal was legal. Oh, okay. every, everywhere we saw that sold it was a medical dispensary is what mm-hmm. they had them. Okay. So everybody that has a little cough. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's right. I need a prescription. I think that's right. 
and we did notice in the middle old San Juan one day we walked by actually the girls had went into a souvenir shop to look around and uh me and another Hardin County Farm Bureau board member were standing out on the street and uh we were watching and they had almost like a I wouldn't really call her a bodyguard, but they had somebody standing at the door. And if somebody walked in, they asked, like, you had to have your prescription before you could even walk in and look at it. But, yeah, I don't. Interesting. The way it looked, I don't think it was uh, too hard to get a prescription. So anybody with a doctor that's a friend, even if they're a veterinarian, they could write them a prescription, (laughs) it sounds like. Well, um, anything else you all want to share about the Mofungo, about the trip? That's oh, what it was, Mofungo. Mofungo. What's that? It's fried plantains and oh. like a. I, I like plantains. Like a, well, yeah, I liked the just plain fried plantains, but this thing looked gross. It was fried plantains, like made into almost like a taco salad shell, hmm. and then they would fill it with some kind of meat. So, and then like mashed didn't know what kind it was well you got the mystery meat and then there'd be like some kind of almost soup looking stuff in the bottom of it and that's where uh, I, I that's where I was out soup when I started seeing the soup stuff I was out Wesley got it one night and it was it was that soup with two pieces of shrimp stuck down in it yeah it was it didn't look very good yeah um, were your kids happy to see you when you got back? Absolutely. I just kept saying, uh, you know, hi, Daddy. Hi, Daddy. Don't leave me and Uncle Carps anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. She didn't really say that. But, yeah, she was very happy to be for us to be home. She's got a little bit of Howe Valley twang now, though. She stayed a while. She, you know, <laughs> you stay a week in Howe Valley, and that's – you don't leave the same, that's for sure. All right. Well, I think, uh, Mark, appreciate you coming on, talking to us for a little bit. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Rolled you in at the last minute, but uh, appreciate you making Glad time for here. us. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good. All right. See you. See you. All right. Well, some good conversation with Mark there. Hope you all enjoyed our stories of our travels. The island of the island of Puerto. I can't. I can't roll it like you get hand, Amy. Puerto Rico. There you go. There you go. It's challenging to roll. That wasn't as smooth as it was the first time. But what we got going on in the news this week? Oh, one thing is going on in the news. Uh, I believe the Cargill Owensboro grain deal finalized, or is super close to finalizing. Um, I was in Owensboro last week is one of the reasons why we didn't have a show last week. Um, and I actually got to talk with them as supposedly like right after they signed the papers and, uh, talked to Owensboro grain and Cargill about what all is going on there. And, um, uh, you know, just that dynamic of, you know, you think of a larger, uh, corporation versus a small family owned business and the reasons that it happened, um, you know, it's. I don't think a lot's going to really change there. It's going to be the same people that um, you're dealing with. It's just different ownership, but it's it's going it, it's not going to be different for a while. I think they're going to keep their same 
the same name and everything for uh, at least the time being. Um, so I don't think anything's going to change really quick there. It may change over time, of course, but uh, that that deal should have finalized this last week or this week. And what was it? That was just kind of in the news, what, like a month ago? Yeah, back in November, I think, uh, is when two they two months ago. Uh, yeah, because we talked, we talked. I think we talked about it a little bit on we here. We did. Well, it affects a lot of folks in in my area for sure. You know, I, I know a lot of had a, a lot of them had questions on what that was going to do for them, but you know, Cargill, like you said, is a pretty, they're pretty good at what they do. So I have a feeling it'll be, it'll be okay. Well, and a lot of times with those small family businesses like that, I mean, it's the people, you know, they have a brand and the people make that brand and uh, you're going to be dealing with the same people there that, um, that, you know, that you had relationships with. So I don't, I don't see anything like I don't see anything changing, at least in the near term. Um, Matt, you you had some like sci-fi stuff on our notes. Some uh, you you into Star Trek and Star Wars? News. Have you ever watched Star Wars, Matt? I don't. I've uh, never watched Star Wars. You've never watched Star Wars? I would have thought you. I would think have watched I've Star watched. Wars. Yeah, some not like religiously, but um, I don't watch them religiously, but um, I have seen all of them. I, I just can't. I don't know. I, I, I've never given time to do it. I, mean, I think I would maybe enjoy it if I watched it. I just have never given it time mm. to. It's not my. You know, opinion. when you watch when you're watching a show or like a movie or maybe it's a. Uh, I'll just say like the Marvel movies, for example. Like I don't really like them that much anymore, but I've watched so many of them. It's just like, well, I guess I'll keep watching them. That's mm-hmm. kind of like that with Star Wars. Like I did like the the old ones, and I guess the ones that they remade, like when we were in high school, college, a little bit. But I don't. know. Yeah. I, I watch them. I don't necessarily mean like I like them, and I have like Star Wars toys or anything like that. You do it out of tradition. <laughs> But um, your star saber is that what it's called? <laughs> Lightsaber. Sure. But it was neat when whenever I got to go to Disney World to walk through there, they it looks just like that stuff does in the in the movie yeah. when you walk through there. It's kind of neat. But anyway, sorry. What so, about? Yeah, so I, no, I'm not good. really into that. But you know what I am into? Satellite imagery. Oh, oh. So there were. Uh, it was in the news a couple weeks ago while we were on our little break. There were a uh, there were a couple of satellites that were launched from the SpaceX launch site in Cape Canaveral, Florida. I guess is that did that used to be the NASA launch site yeah. in Cape Canaveral, I, and I SpaceX just bought it. Is SpaceX uh, so. Jeff Bezos? SpaceX or? is Tesla. It's, it's a, Tesla. Okay. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. So that's Elon Musk. I get them confused sometimes. It's probably the one thing he has that's still making money. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they uh, launched the first of, I think, total going to be seven uh, satellites that are specifically going to be used for agriculture and satellite imagery, uh, being able to get uh, satellite images of crop conditions. Uh, crop health, things like that. So, first of its kind, I think that we've kind of been bumming off of other industries as far as getting our satellite industry before, but this is these are going to be agricultural specific. So. Yeah, uh, looks like they have 
they're equipped with two dragon eye electro optical imagers that provide a 27 mile swath. Now, is that going to be 11 spectral bands? Do you okay, know what that's a spectral band is, Dan? Um, yeah, I think I saw them in concert. Yeah. But that does give it, I guess, is it kind of like infrared? You know, it gives the different, it's going to tell you a little bit about, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing. Right, so. and it just picks up mainly what's darker green and lighter green as you go through the season. It's basically what it's doing. <clears throat> well, that'll be interesting. I do think that'll help, you know, the, any information we can get is only going to help. So I think this will be cool. They call it, what do they call it? Dragonfly? Is that what they call it? Dragonfly is the, uh, that's the imagers that they put on the satellite. Gotcha. This satellite was called, named EOS Sat 1. Rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? Right off it. Right off it. They should have called it like the corn shuttle or something like that. <laughs> that have been, you know, we would have got that. Or the yeah. soybean shuttle. Speaking of shuttles and rockets, did you see that the big rocket that's on your way, like when you go to Florida, they're going to like take it down? Yeah. Like, what I is it, that Alabama? It's at the, the Alabama it's at the, Welcome Center. Yeah. It's like a, Alabama, Tennessee line. Mm-hmm. Is that right? It okay. is. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I can remember back when I was a little, a little bitty carp when we go to the, to the beach down there and taking pictures at that thing, just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Just a but, little minnow. Just a, yeah, but the, uh, I guess it does, it makes a little sense because I don't know that they have, like, I think at the time they had some stuff going on there related to rockets maybe, but they don't anymore. I don't know. I, Was it? I think they Huntsville? still do. There's it's in like Huntsville. Yeah, there is a training center there. Is it still there? I remember, I remember going there in middle school or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure if it is or not, but it's, that's the reason it, I guess maybe they had a training center there and that was kind of their homage to the space. Um, their, their contribution to the sat, the, what is it? Saturn five rocket. That's what it is. Well, and, I just thought that that, that that's actually drummed up some response online. People like, no, don't tear it down. I remember that thing, which but I don't it is care, in kind of bad shape, was, isn't it? It was kind of, it was kind of rusty looking the last time we were, which we stopped there in october so it wasn't closed yet i don't think in october when we went but it's cl- that rest station is now closed as well huh. do you want me to rant yeah sure go why for do it. we why do we have rest stations anymore because i have stopped several times because of my toddler so i'm appreciative of them well they are very expensive <laughs> i don't understand why we have them. i could understand whenever like you needed a place to stop every uh, what is it like every 120 miles or something, whatever it is that they're spaced out, but there's gas, there's places at every exit now. And I just don't understand why we have, but to it have is quicker anymore. to just swing off to a rest area, walk straight in the bathroom, walk out than to get off an exit, have to sit through traffic. In my opinion, they're just truck stops anymore. And that's where the trucks park. And maybe we need them for that, that too. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we need them for that. The- and that's probably what I'm not thinking about, but. Um, I, that's just some, that's just one of the things that I think about when I drive around. I don't know. I guess maybe I'm a, I'm an old school. Cause when we stopped, I mean, we, when we were on our vacation, that's what we did. We stopped at the rest station, ate lunch, sat down, rested, which like I said, I well, have a that's toddler. Where I'm at. 
I don't like know. to waste my time on the road. And if we stop somewhere, we're going to stop to we're stopping to get gas and use the bathroom, or we're going to mm-hmm. eat and go to the bathroom. And we're yeah. not going to try to stop to just go to the bathroom, which you mm-hmm. always end up having to do it anyway. But yeah, it's just I it's just one of the things. It just also I like fountain drinks. I can't get a fountain drink at the <laughs> the restaurant. Now, maybe they should I put will... fountain drink machines in. They are expensive there. I will not. We don't. We don't buy that. But like I said, we've we've had to stop just because of our because of our kid situation. I think if it was my two big kids, we would roll on and not stop at all unless we absolutely had to. But adding a baby to the mix doesn't help. Since we're talking about kids, I have a random topic I wanted to talk about. I, or I saw a post on somewhere. I guess it was Facebook about sounds that we heard when we were younger, that our kids will likely never hear. So can you think about what some of those sounds may be? Uh, the connecting to dial-up internet. That's, yeah. Or the cassette tape. The switching of the cassette tape. Cassette tape, uh, mm-hmm. VHS tape. You know, like the sound of a fax machine, a fax going through. That's true. Yeah. Unless you, st- some people still have the faxes, and if you accidentally call that fax number, yeah. you know, you might get that. What about? I, I thought of this one: a school bell. Have you been in a yeah. school lately? They don't have no, bells. It's they like have, beeps. They have, mm-hmm. It's like beep. It's yep. not a true bell. Yeah, which I don't even think that when I was in high school. Which our our school was fairly new when I was in high. I mean, it was several years old, but we didn't have we had we didn't have a bell. It was a a tone. I think we did in middle school, but I don't know at high school that I think it was a tone. Maybe that was just a. Washington I, oh, we County always had thing. bells in Washington County. Yeah, we're old school. Of course, it was old school. Yeah, old school. Uh, right. What about white noise on a TV? I love white noise. Yeah. <sighs> It scares yes. me. I always think of that poltergeist. Oh gosh. <laughs> movie. So I don't like it. What about the sound that a waterbed makes? Do they even make waterbeds anymore? I don't know if they do or not. You know, you all have a, like a water like somebody you knew had a waterbed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But um I, I don't don't think they're uh, I don't even know if they make them oh, anymore. They're too popular anymore. What about a chalkboard? Like chalk and a chalkboard. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's school. still that's still a thing though, because like people paint their walls in chalk paint now and True. so they can write on it. I, I, I see where you're yeah. going with it, but what about the sound that the TV makes when you cart it into the into the <laughs> uh, uh, classroom? You know, you think yeah. they cart them around anymore? They're all just stuck on the wall a, now. S- yeah. A slide projector. Oh. oh, that's a good point. Yes. What yeah. about the, the sound that it makes when you put your money into a payphone and it mm-hmm. kicks it out when you're done? Can you think huh. of any more? I'm thinking. Um, they are changing. Mm-hmm. commercials in general commercials that's true yeah well i used to think that but now they're coming back you remember like all these things that were new like oh go to youtube or go to uh watch yeah, your streaming your shows and it's on you but you can skip them eventually and you have to yeah. listen to so much of them until right. you can skip them unless or if you're you on pay. youtube yeah <laughs> if you're on a streaming network or if you're on the internet yeah you gotta wait my son will unfortunately watch tractors online and he'll go, "Uh Oh, when an ad comes up and you got to wait the five seconds before you can skip it. So a few timely things we need to talk about before we wrap up here. Uh, We need to talk about the noxious weed spraying program that's done through the Kentucky department of agriculture. Um, It is not done through the extension office, but we just help share the information on it. 
It starts in February. Yes. The application starts in February. Opens February 1st and then closes at the end of February. And I don't think if you've had it, if you've been able to a recipient of it in the last three years, I don't think you can apply. Is that correct as well? From what I understand, yes, that is the rules. But I think if you really want to and you still apply, they might do it if nobody else signs yeah, up. Else That's signs right. Up, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's worth it's worth applying anyway if you need it. And it and they provide the chemical and you provide the water. So right? uh, to sign up for this program, um, you would go to the Kentucky Department of Agriculture website, which is kyagr.com. And uh, you can... Once you're there, if you want to go up into search and you can do like nuisance weed spraying and it'll come up um, really quick and it'll only show something is there in February. So if you go right now, like before the end of this month, it won't be there um, or it'll just say it's currently closed and they're taking applications in February. But if that's something that you want to do, I believe it provides the chemical and the sprayer for 10 acres of right. spray uh, to control noxious weeds. So I believe that is it a 2,4-D or is it a crossbow spray? 24D is what they typically use. Mm-hmm. That's, and yeah. if you, I think you can use it for up to 10 more acres if you provide your own you your chemical. chemical. So, um, you know, you can, you can work that out on the application when you fill that out, but it is a good, good resource. Um, you will need a, a tractor to pull, uh, pull that. It's it, is it PTO driven sprayer? I think it's self-contained. I think it's self-contained. So you don't necessarily have to have uh, uh, PTO, but you will need something that can, can, you know, uh, carry a little bit of weight. So if that's something that's uh, something you might need on the farm then go for it, that, that'd be a good resource for you. And if you have any questions, give us a call. We'll answer them best we can. Uh, but just know we don't do that's, you know, the Kentucky department of agriculture does that program and we're just sort of the, the messengers for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had several participate and they've, you know, it's worked out for them. So it is a good program. I haven't had many to participate in a while. It's just kind of comes in spurts. One year, there'll be a bunch of people interested in it. And the next year there won't be. And most of the time though, people don't think about it till, uh, too late till it's like May. And they're like, Hey, when does they do that nuisance sweet spring program? Like, well, you missed it. You got (laughs) to sign up in February. And then the next year in May, they say, Hey, do they ever do that? Sign up for the weed spring program? Yes, they do it every February. And then the next year, and it's, you know, just, Pay attention in February. That's when they do the signups and you can get signed up for it on their website. If you think you're early, you're probably not. Now's the time to be thinking about it anyway. Just a couple other program things real quick is uh, sheep and goat uh, program here at the LaRue County Extension Office, uh, 630 on uh, Tuesday, January 24th. Making sure I got LaRue my County right. Cattlemen's meeting? No, I don't have any of those to share today. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. And then private applicators, any of you needing training for that, we do have one here at the LaRue County Extension Office on Friday, January 27th, starting at 8 a.m. in the morning. I will have the coffee on. Uh, early bird but, session. You know, bring your own donuts. <laughs> and you can bring me one too. also have another date on uh, February 2nd. At 5.30 p.m. So any of the, you know, any of our full-time workers, part-time farmers that may need to get that training, um, Thursday, February 2nd at 5.30. At the County Extension. So. Go ahead, Matt. In Hardin County, Wednesday, January 25th at 2 p.m. 
Friday, February 10th at 10 a.m., Wednesday, February 22nd at 2 p.m., and then for those of you that work during the day, Tuesday, March 7th at 6 p.m. All kinds of options. Woo! So, And then intensive soybean management workshop on February 2nd, I believe. There's one in Hardin County. Is that one in Hardin County? I'm pretty sure that one's in Hardin County. If... uh, that we actually probably need to get somebody on to hype that up for them. So we'll work on that for as we get closer to that too. Y'all got anything else? I think we're going to try for some. Uh, just go ahead and put uh, on your calendars at Kentucky Alpha Alpha Conference February 21st in mm-hmm. Cave City this year. Is it, Who sings a Pina Colada song? That's... Which Pina Colada song are you talking about? You got two, two Pina, Pina Coladas, Coladas, Garth Brooks. That's Is that bad. Garth Brooks? That's that probably Brooks the best and... shot we got. Yeah. Garth Brooks, two Pina Coladas. One for okay. each hand. Yep. Six, did it have a little umbrella in it, too? It did. Yeah. I took it out before I drank it. You though. did not. You you drank that Pina Colada with the umbrella in it. I know you did. <laughs> and then you put it behind your ear when you were done. You all go. right. That's enough for this week. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week.